Hi, I'm Ryan Becker, and you're listening to the Rock Hill Seventh-day Adventist Church Official Sermon Archive. You can find more information about our church at www.rockhillsdachurch.org. We hope by listening to this message that you are encouraged and challenged in your walk with Christ. All of the uh, damage uh, that Hurricane Matthews has caused, and it reminds us that we are but mortal men. It reminds us that there is a force that is uh, greater than we are that keeps this world in balance, that holds the planets and the stars and the sun and the moons in proper place. And here we are, you and me, a soul, that has had the, the, the life-breathing Spirit of God placed within us, but only for a limited amount of time. And so this morning, I want to ask you a very serious question. When was the last time that you can remember having an encounter with God? When was the last time that you were in awe of His presence? When was the last time that you felt like God spoke to you personally? That you were in His audience chamber? Has that ever happened to you? Does it happen to you regularly? Or has it never happened to you? This morning, we want to talk about reverence for God. And we want to talk about who God is in His being. So, open your Bibles with me to the book of Exodus, chapter 3 this morning. Exodus chapter 3. Before we begin, let's offer a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we come before your holy throne full of thanksgiving, adoration, and praise. Father, you are the one true and living God. There is no God beside thee. There is no God like thee that has creative authority and power and might. And so, Father, we recognize your sovereignty this morning. We ask that your Holy Spirit will be with us as we study your scriptures. And Father, may you impart your wisdom into our hearts and minds. And may we be better because we have spent time with you. And it is in Jesus' precious, his holy, and his mighty name that we pray, amen. So, Exodus chapter 3, the word of the Lord says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert. And he came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire, out of the midst of a bush. 
And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to thee, and when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush. He said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. And he said, draw not hither, but put off your shoes from your feet, for the place whereupon you stand, it is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. So Moses has an encounter with God. And when Moses hears the voice of God, he is told to remove his sandals because he is standing on holy ground. Sandals, as you are aware, represents uncleanness. And in the presence of a pure and holy God, he is instructed to remove his sandals. But the point I want to express this morning is found in verse 4. In verse 4 there it says, And when the Lord saw that he turned, it was almost as if God was, was staging a test for Moses. Moses was in his environment that he was accustomed to walking and being in every day. And there he sees this burning thorn bush. And Moses, he identifies that there is something different here. And so when he turns to see, it says the Lord noticed. And what I want to ask you this morning is, where have you seen God? Where is God at work in your life? Where is the burning bush in your life today? Is there anything out of the ordinary that God puts in your path? There are possibly two reasons why uh, we have not had an encounter with God. The two reasons are one, we either don't care to recognize those things which are different in our environment, those things that God has staged for us to get involved with, or we're just unaware that we're in the presence of a holy God. We're either unaware 
or we don't care. When was the last time that you had an encounter with the Holy God? When we have an encounter with God, it requires a certain amount of reverence. When Moses encountered God, it says that he removed his sandals and he bowed himself and hid his face because he was in the presence of the infinite. He was in the presence of the creator of all things. I would dare to say that we have gotten so accustomed to speaking about God in such common terms that oftentimes we refer to God as someone who is our equal or perhaps someone who is even beneath us. I wonder if we were invited to go to the White House today, or maybe to go visit some foreign king in a distant country, what type of preparations would we make in advance of our trip? How would we behave when we arrived? Would we casually walk through the palace or the White House and have a discussion that was unbecoming? What would be our conduct in the presence of these renowned men? How much more preparation should we make to have an encounter with a holy God? When we enter into the sanctuary, when we come into his presence, What should be our attitude? Do we even recognize that God is here? When was the last time that you had an encounter with God? Some of us we don't see the burning bush, and others don't care that there's a burning bush. Turn over to the book of Psalms, the 89th chapter. Psalms chapter 89. Eighty-ninth chapter of Psalms. There in verse 7. Word of God says, God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be held in reverence of all them that are about him. God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be held in reverence for all that are about him. In the fifth verse, it says, In the heavens shall praise thy wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness also in the congregation of the saints. 
Even the heavens praise your wonders. And more so the congregation of the saints shall do the same. There in verse 11 it says, The heavens are yours and the earth also is thine. As for the world and the fullness thereof, you have founded them. Everything that is, the heavens and the earth, you have founded all of them, O God. In verse 14, it says, Righteousness and judgment, they are your foundation of your throne. And loving kindness and truth shall go before your face. Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of your countenance. In your name shall they rejoice all the day, and in your righteousness shall they be exalted. For you are the glory of their strength, and in your favor our strength shall be exalted. Verse 18, for our shield belongs to the Lord. The Holy One of Israel is our King. When is the last time that you had an encounter with the one who made the heavens and the one who they say that the whole world and the fullness thereof, that he founded them. Even the heavens praise your wonders. Turn over to uh, the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 5. In this chapter, children of Israel were coming out of captivity, and God had uh, dried up the Jordan River, and all of the children had crossed the Jordan on dry land into the land of Canaan. And here God, he instructs Joshua to circumcise the men of Israel because all of the old generation, all of those who had made war as they were coming out of their captivity, because they had disobeyed God, they were not allowed to see the promised land and they had died off. And so there was this new generation that was now being ushered into the promised land. And God said, in order that I may create a covenant with them, Joshua, you must circumcise them. And here we, we read there, and uh, beginning in the 13th verse, it says, and it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him, and he said unto him, Are you for us 
or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as captain of the hosts of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon you standest is holy. And Joshua did so. So here is Joshua, and he encounters the Lord of the host, Jesus Christ himself. And when he had heard that it was the captain of the host of the Lord, it says that Joshua immediately fell on his face to the earth. And he worshipped him. And the captain of the Lord of the host said unto Joshua, Loose your shoe from off of your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. The place where we worship is holy. God requires our reverence. He requires our respect of his person and being. He requires our reverential fear. He's not a common man as you and me. He's the God of this earth, of the universe, and of all of the galaxies, of everything that ever was or ever will be. He's the God of every generation. He is the God that forms time even though he is not constrained by time. Yet he is a God that desires an intimate encounter with you and me. Just as he did with Moses and Joshua. He's an intimate God. He is a God that is waiting for us to see him, to be interested in him, to want to connect with him. He is a loving God. Let's turn over to Psalms, the 100th and 11th chapter. Book of Psalms, 100th and 11th chapter. There in verse 7, Word of God says, The works of His hands, they are steadfast, in judgment. All of his commandments are sure. They stand fast forever and ever and are done in truth and uprightness. He sent redemption unto his people. He has commanded 
his covenant forever. Holy and reverend is his name. Verse 10, in awe-filled reverence toward the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments is praise endureth forever. Word of the Lord in the psalm says that his, his, his truth and his judgment, that his commandments, that they are forever, and that they are done in truth and uprightness. But it also says that he sent redemption unto his people, a people that were lost, that were cut off, that God had made a plan to redeem the lost. What does that word redemption mean? When you redeem something, anyone, you buy it back. Was the cost of our redemption of a low amount? Was an infinite amount. And the Word of God says that He sends redemption to His people. Is that why we should have fear for the Lord as the 10th uh, the, the, uh, verse of the chapter says that we should have an awe-filled reverence towards the Lord. He has purchased our salvation. This morning we were talking about uh, the law of love. Someone had made reference to the law of love in our Sabbath school. And the law of love, when you break it down to its its core elements, it is the most beautiful law in the Scriptures. There is the Ten Commandments or the Decalogue or the law of God's government. And then you have the law of love, which is the counterbalance to the law of God. The law of God, you remember in the sanctuary, God instructed that the commandments, that they be placed inside of the Ark of the Covenant. For he who transgresses against the law of God has sinned. And the wages of sin is death. So it is the law of God that once it is transgressed, it brings death. But covering that ark is the mercy seat that rests between the cherubims. And the mercy seat is sprinkled with blood. The blood of Christ. And the blood of Christ overrides what is the penalty of the transgression? So beneath you have the law of God and the penalty of the transgression is death. 
But the law of love covers that transgression. And it allows forgiveness. It allows redemption. And that was the plan of a holy God. And that is why when we come into His sanctuary that we are to be filled with a holy awe. That we are to recognize that we are standing on holy ground. That we are not to be so casual or cavalier about the God whom we serve and whom we love and whom we owe everything to. It says Joshua fell to the ground and he hid his face. Do we not understand that in the presence of our God, angels veil their face and seraphim marvel at his wonders? It's not such a light thing to serve a living God. This Bible, it is... The Word of God is the living Word of God. Throughout all of time, in every generation, God has spoken to man in their current circumstance. This living Word speaks to us in our current circumstance. It is ageless. It is timeless. It is still as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago. It is the breathing, holy inspired Word of God. It is as though God is speaking to us directly Himself. And every time that we pick up the Word of God, we should be in holy awe because we are truly standing in the presence of God. This is the voice of God. It is the instruction in the wisdom of God. It is His living and holy word. Opening our, our Bible, it is like being ushered into the audience chamber of the living God. It takes us indeed to the very presence of God. Sometimes we struggle with advice from our friends. Sometimes we're not sure uh, about the counsel that they may give us. But the counsel that comes from God is sure. From generation to generation and for a thousand generations and even unto eternity, God's Word will last forever. It fails not. Talking about a holy reverence. I wanted to 
translate or find a way that I could appropriately describe this reverence for God. And one way that I found was in uh, this story of Aslan the lion. In the Chronicles of Narnia, an allegory written by C.S. Lewis, the author has two girls. They are Susan and Lucy. And these girls, they are getting ready to meet Aslan the lion, who represents Christ. There are also two talking animals in this allegory, and they are Mr. and Mrs. Beaver. And Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, they are preparing the children for this encounter with Aslan. Oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. That you will, dearie, said Miss Beaver. And make no mistake, if there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either brave, braver than most, or just silly. Then isn't he safe, said Lucy. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. Aslan. He was to be feared. He was to be reverenced. But he was good, I tell you. He was the king. Everything that he did was for you. But there is this respect that must precede the encounter. And that's the point that I'm trying to drive home this morning, is that if we want to have a true encounter with the living God, then first we must have this reverential fear, this awe of who he is. We must come into the sanctuary with an expectation, regardless of who is preaching or teaching or what, is on the agenda for the day because God is here. And it is holy ground. And whatever God gives someone to share, there's wisdom in it. If we are looking for the bush, if we are in tuned to see it, if we will venture over to inspect it a little closer, God will speak to our hearts. He'll speak to your mind. The Word of God says, He who diligently seeks me shall find me. Diligently. Not casually. Not once in a while. Not temporarily. Not when I feel up to it. When you diligently seek after something, you put all of your heart into it as though it is the only thing that matters in the world. And you don't stop until you find what you are looking for. God is waiting and he is looking for those kinds 
of people. I know that we all in our hearts want to be those kinds of people. God's giving us a nudge today that says, go further. Pay attention. Be aware. Pray and watch. Watch and pray. See where I'm at and ask if you can join me.